Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero here, and you're listening to my Tour Coach Podcast. Tour Coach Podcasts come from my stories, the interviews, my roundtable discussions, the day-to-day interaction with the people that I teach in my journey in the game of golf, whether it's tour players that I teach or tour players that have fired me or, heck, it's other teachers that I think the world of and respect or it's mental coaches, performance coaches, or, hey, maybe it's just people that have made an indelible mark on my teaching. Whatever it is, I hope this helps you learn more about the playing, the teaching, or enjoying the great game of golf. I sure as heck have fun doing this. I hope you all enjoy listening to it. We've got great sponsors. We've always got great guests. And one thing that we for sure do here on the Tour Coach is we keep it real. None of this is scripted. This is just authentic. This is the discussions and the day-to-day interactions that we have as the dew sweepers and teaching and trying to help all of you play better golf. And look, if you enjoy our instruction and you're somebody wanting to get better, why don't you come see us and get help for your game with our world-famous retreats, which are going to be at Old Palm Golf Club in Palm Beach Gardens with my good friends Mark Hackett, Dan Terleski, Colby Tuyeg, Dr. Greg Carton, and, and a host of many, many more. Or you can come see me at uh, my studio in Mobile, Alabama, or at the Preserve Golf Club. And remember, everything you need to play better golf is always going to be available for you at DoSweepersGolf.com. You can find out where I am and how to be on a podcast if you go there. Enjoy this edition of The Tour Coach. Ian. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Out there. Uh, I know Wayno's on. He's got to leave a little early to go to an accountant. Uh, but uh, Wayne, is that a new jacket there? That looks like a new – That looks that's new. He's got his volume off, Jackson. You mean, But anyways, um, we're going to talk – actually, this is Parsons' topic he came up with today, for today, and I thought it was great. Uh, we got a great turnout for it. Hopefully, everybody has a happy holidays and gets off, gets a little bit of time off and away for, uh, away from teaching a little bit. Although I know some people are busier than others at this time, but we're going to talk about technology and uh, Parsons. Why don't we pull up the question here? Let's. Um, I had a couple emailed uh, or messaged in. Yeah, as go well ahead. Let's, you know, I think we got some good topics. I think we got some good topics there. So. Uh, Parsons, go ahead. JP, why don't you go ahead and start with your thoughts on on technology and the use of technology, as well as the development of, of teachers? You know, I just think there, there's so much great stuff out there to to keep us learning and keep us fresh. And, um, you know, there's so many paths you can really go down. You know, I know Tony was down at our place and we were using the gears with, with their specialist, Michael Neff. You know, so you go down the, the, the 3D, the biomechanics kind of route. You can go down the, the launch monitor, trackman route. There's there's all sorts of incredible technology coming out for putting. I know the putt view have got some some new things coming out. Um, you know, some of the apps to keep track of things, whether you're using the stack or you're using your Fusionetics for fitness or mytpi.com for fit, you know, all of those sorts of things, I think. You know, there, there's such a there, there's such a, a really a plethora of different ways you can go about it uh, these days. And I think for the young teachers who are listening, you know, I think it's very important. You know, number one with with the actual devices to recognize that you know they are diagnostic devices. You, you know, there's there's no there's no substitute for creating solutions, which of course comes from experience. But to be able to illustrate what you're doing and why you're doing it through something like 3D or something like TrackMan or something like Capto, you know, can be very uh, poignant for the, for the person who's receiving the information. And, you know, I just, uh, I feel it's a, it's a really cool topic, Tony. I think, um, you know, we could nearly go down the list of things and, 
and go for a little bit of a back and forth as to you know the way we've used them and and, and how you know they've maybe made us learn or how they've made the the experiences we've had with with students more valuable. Sure, I mean, uh, go ahead. you. I guess I could. You go ahead and start. You start with a piece of technology that you use and uh, take us through. Well, I think I think the 3D stuff is 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 very very you know apparently useful. I mean, there is no question that when we look at we look at golf swings on on video, we are looking at them in two dimensions, and we're you know we are going to be doing that. There's no way around that. And when you have when you have some experience of 3D, you realize you know you, back in the days when we used the AMM system in Dubai, which is an electromagnetic system, many of you out there would be familiar with it. But uh, you you effectively have a piece of hardware that casts an electromagnetic bubble um, around an area and the, a player wears sensors on his body or her body and then we we digitize basically the body parts and, and that comes up with a with a 3d model and that, that is wires you know coming out of the, the back of the player you kind of feel like you're being plugged into the matrix but um, you know it was a it was a wonderful way for me you know that piece of equipment was a wonderful way for me to really start to understand uh, the golf swing in three dimensions, you know, not only obviously looking at sway and slide, but looking at, at thrust and up, ups and downs and side bends and, and bends and of course rotations. So um, moving on from that, the, the gear system that we have at Sea Island, I think is, is fantastic as well. It's some different information, you know, that I'm getting more savvy with, I hope. And uh, it's an optical system, kind of similar to what you would see in, you know, generation like EA sports and things like that, where there are cameras on the wall and, um, the player wears markers, um, and the markers obviously they break the cameras, and we get a full 3D representation of the of the golfer. So, you know, I think to to really adequately see the pattern that you're trying to illustrate, and then understand how to maybe improve, break, you know, improve that pattern. I think 3D motion capture is a is a fantastic thing, and you know, you've got to be very you've got to be careful because some guys really want to hear it, and some guys want to talk about it, and other guys are. You know they're kind of a little bit, still a little bit uh, in awe of it, and I do think in in years to come, you know, I know the sports box thing, Tony, you've had a look at, and, and we've had a look at, um, where you're taking video and being able to directly turn it into a 3D model on your phone, which is, you know, it's definitely where things are going. I wouldn't be surprised in 20 years if we're teaching with some sort of holographic kind of images and and things like that to really understand, you know, where I hope I'm retired by then. Yeah, you, you and a hologram would be an interesting sight. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, I, think, I think if you can imagine that, though, you know, Gears can, can kind of do that. AMM can do that as well. But to be able to have that, you know, the ability to look at it from the front and the side and above and from different angles, you know, it, it can generate just such a different picture for the, for the student. I think to me, I mean, this is my advice. And, uh, like, I think whatever you – you know, as you get into, I think 3D, we kind of started at the top end. They're crazy expensive. I don't know that a lot of people starting out are going to have as much access to it, but I think you should. I think one thing people have to be careful with is to just jump in there and start talking about stuff that they may not understand or may know, you know, and I think it's important to, uh, I had a, a young lady in, in here today that was asking questions about teaching and being mentored. And I was like, I think you need to, research the parts on 3d if you're going to talk about 3d or it's force plates whatever it is research the things that you know that you look for and kind of develop an understanding of some things and start with that before you jump in there and start trying to talk about everything and that i mean 
you know, I'm, I'm new to it as well. I've looked at some different things uh, and I really enjoyed JP the time I spent over there with you a week and a half ago, but kind of my, my thought process, even during that with Michael Neff was like asking you questions just based on the things that I look for, not getting like caught up on extraneous things that I might not use or care about in the short term, you know, that's just food yeah. for thought. Well, I think it's good. That's great. That's great advice too, for, you know, for, for younger teachers as they're like generating their fields as to what they like to see in the golf swing and things like that. If you can kind of stay in your, you know, stay in your lane of preferences and, you know, you, you, you'll be drawn out of that a little bit and it might change over the years. But if you, you're right, if you try and do all that stuff at once, it could be, uh, it could be a bit tricky. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think especially when you're starting down a road of technology, I see lots of teachers that they feel like because they have it, they got to start telling everybody everything it does. You know, 100%. and I think, and I think they get, you get too much going on and uh, so forth. So I think that's, that's just my two cents. Jackson, next question or. Yeah. So first question we got on the list, what tech would you invest in first? If you're trying to grow your student base. <laughs> um, an iPhone on a tripod on a microphone. Yeah, I would, I, you know, I used to be old school where I used to think you had to have a laptop and all that, a good camera, but then I did, I bought this new iPad several months ago because my computer finally crashed. And I mean, I think that the video quality and the stuff you can do on this, uh, on the iPad is so, is so good and so easy to communicate with people. Um, I, that's where I would start. And I mean, and then, and then just get you a good app. There's a bunch of good apps out there. I use uh, OnForm. I know I use. I know you use another one, JP. Uh, yeah, I, I've used I've used Coach Now, which has been great. Right. Like the way we work, Tony, when we're traveling a bit, and yeah, it's it's easy to stay in touch with people. People send videos. They'll and sometimes you just answering you know one one liners and just talking through what sure. you know maybe what they're what they've sent. But again, it's that it's that ability to remain in contact with people and, and keep keep the communication channels open. Uh, I know Clipped are doing a nice job with some stuff that, that's coming online. You know, we're working with with those guys at Sea Island. That's going to be a bit more of a uh, a, a total de- dive into your game. You know, this the the Clipped software, which will be pretty cool. You know, Coach now has been great for me, and I, I know there's some others out there. But you know, I, I think you can do a lot of things. To your point, from your iPad, um, you know, as long as you're 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 filming properly, and you you know you're filming static when you need to, and you you know, and then you're you're illustrating things when you need to for players. I don't, I'm, I'm not so sure that I would ever have felt like, you know, certainly maybe, maybe right back at the start, I, I can imagine how Trackman could have been a really frightening, but a good investment because it was so, you know, it was so uh, rare really to see one, you know, it's still a very expensive piece of equipment. Um, you know, you really need to write up a business plan and really figure out how you're going to recoup that. Uh, Cause you're nearly taking them. You're, you're basically buying a small car for <laughs> you know, for your, for your golf business. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, I, I love the, I love the iPad. I would, you know, I think that there's, it's like everything, like the price of things keep coming down now. I would, you know, I've told Jackson my thoughts on this before. Like if I was starting out, I'd get a good iPad. And if you're going to have a launch monitor, uh, you know, that GC three or the launch pro by Bushnell, is like for the price four grand or whatever it is, I think it's really, really good. I mean, I travel with it and use it. And I think it lets you do, you can do games and different things with as well as 
equipment fitting or as well as get some data. So, I mean, I, I think now it's actually easier, JP, than it ever was, or Wayne, certainly when you got into it and when I got into it, to be able to get some pretty good tech for a significantly less money than what you used to have to do where you could make a nice presentation. All right, next question. Uh, which technology has influenced your teaching methodology the most? If you had to purchase the same types of technology you currently have, would you make the same decisions? I, my biggest, the biggest influence on my teaching is the swing catalyst. Because I, when I got started teaching under Wayne, as most people here know, and Hank, and I began developing pivots as a way to survive, and it kind of came what I've look for and work on a lot in the golf swing. It was the first thing that I found that I could help me kind of show people and start figuring some of that stuff out. So that would be for me um, the most important. And I don't think I would change. I've, I've bought all of those dang things as they've gone along. So it, it probably wouldn't change with me. Um, you know, I bought some others and stuff that I just ended up not using there in that storage closet back there. I could probably do a little bit of a yard sale if anybody wants some KVS and old stuff around here. But uh, anyways, that's what I would use. JP, Wayno, what about you? I will. Well, from- sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I for sure would, uh, would, would stick with the, <clears throat> the force plate I bought from Swing Catalyst. I think that, I think that's great information. I think you can learn a lot from it. Um, I think it's, I think it's affordable. Um, something that the young guys could get started with for sure. Um, I think the most important thing is, you know, you, they'll, they'll kind of see with, with their own eyes and with some numbers on a computer or an iPad, whatever case may be, well, whether what they're seeing is what's really happening. And that, I think that's the, the, the biggest key is, is seeing if what you're thinking is what's really happening. And, and, you know, can you learn from that? And can you move forward from that? I mean, all the other stuff is, great but i i for sure would do that again <clears throat> jp you know the the 3d stuff for me was a big was the biggest tony um uh, i had to transport the system from dallas i think to dubai and then you know i pretty much had to, to rig it up and figure out how it works and i had dr greg rose on the phone telling me you know what what information to look for and it gave me just a great understanding I felt of like how people were moving in space, and and, I, and just from a that was a, from a purely teaching perspective, like my understanding of how bodies move and stuff that that helped me an awful lot. Yeah, it's great stuff. I just never really was exposed to it. It's interesting how you develop based on things you're exposed to. You Absolutely. know, I never, there wasn't really any three D stuff that close that I had access to for a long time. You know, um, so I think that if you have that, you know. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's great. Yeah. You know, Tony, a good long while ago, um, you remember this one, when, when uh, Tim Breon was at, mm-hmm. at Greystone and they had that tailor-made mat system. That was my first introduction to the 3D thing. And, and uh, I would take, you know, a bunch of my students out there to him and he was always gracious with his time. And, you know, that was, that was one thing I was scared at first to go out there because I didn't know what I was telling the people was, was going to be what was showing up on the 3D thing. And, um, you know, I got in there and thank goodness it, it was pretty, pretty good. You know, the information I was trying to give out and, and what was really happening. And, and I thought, I mean, the more I got into that, the more I did that with him, I mean, I thought it was just 
the, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world to, to get your students in front of that and give them a clear understanding, let them really see what's happening and how it would match up with your teaching. And I think, you know, I think that gives, you know, the, the teacher tons of credibility and, and obviously, you know, if the information is good, then the students are going to get better and, Hey, they're going to continue to love that technology because they're getting better. Right. Yeah. Jackson next. Well, we got a lot of questions, Jackson. So let's try to get to as many of them as we can. All right. In a perfect indoor teaching center, what tech would you have for full swing, putting, the whole gambit? Well, for me, I, I mean, you know, I, I've got a Foresight and I've also got a Bushnell uh, simulator and I've got the swing catalyst system. You know, I've got the 3D force plate. I've also got one with a balance plate in my indoor. I mean, for me, I, I would love that. Is it putt view, JP, the thing? I know y'all have yeah. it. Is, I would love yeah. one of those, but I need That's to have it where I don't get fired by four people to be able to buy one of those. Mm -hmm. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I would love one of those, but like I'm pretty happy with my, with what I have. I, for me, it's very functional and it works. I think, you know, it, do, it does enough. Next. All right. Could you give an example of a recreational player receiving 3D capture well and an example of it being received poorly? Uh, JP, this year field. Um, Not that you've you know, ever think, given I, one I poorly. Well, I think that, uh, you know, I think if you, if you, let's say you took a recreational player, I'm not going to think of an exact example, but a recreational player who has um, a lot of pelvic slide towards the top of the backswing, which is, you know, obviously it's diagnosable on on video as well but you know when when you can show that person that you know the, the average tour player sways to the right with his pelvis you know 1.2 inches and you're swaying to the right with your pelvis 4.6 inches um all of a sudden that guy's going right okay so i'm like three and a half inches completely out of position based on you know what a tour player would do and then you know, with either biofeedback or, you know, doing some other little gears captures, you can help them with that sensation, show them it again on the system and then be able to, you know, to, to, to like work them through that process of, well, there's your diagnosis. This is your feel. Okay. Now hit one. All right. There's another number. And then now we can really work on it. And that's, that becomes a very clear thing in a, in a player's brain. So I think, you know, little being able, like Tony said before, like target into the little things that are, you know, that are, that are near and dear to you and that you, you know, you you really prefer to see, um, you know, and then, and then you can dress your lesson up around that. Yeah. Okay. JP, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but what can we learn from the 3d and all of the different versions? Um, I think that uh, AMM with their integration with the, the TPI 3d software uh, they did a fantastic job in like giving you like a blueprint on the on the big 12 swing faults and then being able to um, diagnose golf swings from 3D with, within the big 12 so that, you know, they would have captured enough golfers at Oceanside to know what the average range of pelvic sway was and the average range of thrust was. So then, you know, you could begin to see whether a player was outside of the ranges. And, you know, that's kind of what we, you know, we would have done um, working with that system, I thought that was very clever. Gears is a little less graph based, uh, but there are some, you know, situations. You know, Tony and I enjoyed, uh, you know, some of the stuff. Again, it was fairly new to me, like where the 
where the center of the pelvis is relative to where the center of the torso is in space with the best golfers in the world. And I think it's a, you know, there's obviously, there's still some conceptual learning around that as to what they're doing while they're, you know, we, we, we say they're in a, in space, which basically is a position, but they're in motion when they're in that position. Uh, but anyway, we could talk about that for hours. And then, you know, one of the things that Michael did a great job of explaining to us was they were matching, for example, the amount of spine bend away from the target to the amount of uh, torso rotation. And those two numbers are really quite close together. Uh, one of the biggest uh, numbers that we had was Brian Harmon. Tony, he was 50 degrees, 50 degrees bent to the, to, the, to the left in his case and 50 degrees open. Um, Tyson Alexander was a beautiful, like 30, 30 degrees bent, 30 degrees open. Rory's 33, 33. Um, so mm. when you're matching those, when you're matching those two up, you're not guaranteed, but you've got much more chance of getting a square club face through the hip and through the, the, uh, post impact area. Yeah. I thought it was great. And I, you know, I, two comments on that Jackson will move one. I think that people need to be careful with like, when you get these things, just only focusing on tour average, but to try to understand the person in front of you and JP, you were awesome. I never heard tour average once in the whole thing with your players. You were just, you understood their tendencies and what you were working on. Uh, but two, I, I'm kind of curious. I would like to, we were talking before we came on the air, like about all the work I do with Colby. And I know you got so many folks up there at uh, sea Island, but I would like to combine what I do with the fitness stuff. And I've used it with swing catalyst, but also, do some of those drills and stuff that I do with Colby and then put the people on 3D and see what it changes. You know, I mean, that's for another topic and another day, JP, but I think that'd be but that's, to do I mean, it's really cool. We, yeah, we did some experiments like that in, in Dubai. I remember Claude and I were having people hit impact bags, like live hitting impact bags whilst wired up on 3D and seeing how different the like stabilization patterns and things were, which was, you know, really quite cool. So to your point, Tony, I think we could, uh, yeah, we could spend 2023 doing that. Yeah, no, no, yeah, we, well, and we're going to do some more of that. Jackson, next question. Uh, what numbers on a launch monitor do you find to be the most important to target when working with a student? I look at face and face to path. Justin? Um, I will, <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think a million miles, I, I think spin axis is a, you know, spin axis is a nice number for people to just recognize what the golf ball is doing as it leaves the club face. You know, I think it's, um, you know, it's something I would, I would look at. Um, and obviously, you know, you've got your, your distances and your spins. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I, I try to, with TrackMan, I try to stay on, on ball data. Um, because I'm, I'm one, I worry sometimes a wee bit about the club because it doesn't see the golf club, but sees, you know, and then the GC quad, then it sees the golf club and doesn't see the ball for as long. So it's making more predictions relative to the golf ball and track man's making more predictions relative to the golf club. That's why when I'm teaching, if I'm using one for teaching, I use the quad because I can't get mm -hmm. the club head that. I don't really use track map for, uh, for any of that. But yeah. Judge Jackson. Do you think technology has increased the accountability of coaches? Go ahead and start with that JP. I'm marinating on an answer here. Um, I, I would say without, without question, I mean, ultimately, you know, ultimately in, in, in all of our positions, the score of the players shooting when they're playing in tournaments, or if your golfer's progressing from being somebody who's never played before to getting on the golf course and playing nine holes, or if the players progressing from shooting 120 to 110, you know, you should always hold yourself accountable 
to the scores that your players are shooting because you can have great 3D and you can look great on video and you can put great trackman numbers up and you go out in the golf course and shoot whatever number. Um, those, th- those things don't tally up. So for me, it's always like, is the golfer getting better, getting worse or staying the same? And that's, you know, that's where I would always judge myself. Agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I think, I think you can use technology to make things look kind of however you want them to look. It's like an accountant, but, uh, mm-hmm. anyways, I think, uh, Anyways, I, I think still you're ultimately judged by, like, are your players getting better? Are the people you teach getting better? Do you have a kid winning the club championship? Do you have a guy in your area that's, you know, shot his personal best? Those types of things, I think, as you're coming up, are way more important than, you know, whether than whether people's, you know, whatever, launch angles are better or forces improve. Jackson? Um, JP, you had mentioned this in a text. You had talked about it just really briefly when we came on diagnostics versus solutions. Did you want to go back into that? You know, again, I think it's very important to realize that when, you know, when we're, when we're using this information, we're basically, we've either, we've got an x-ray machine, which is a video camera. So we can, we can show a person how, you know, how terrible something looks or how pretty it looks. And then we've got an MRI, which is a, which is a 3D motion capture or could be a trackman, which is effectively an MRI for a golf ball. It's telling us what way it's spinning backwards, sideways, all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you think of it from the medical professionals world, you know, the doctor will end up taking the MRI and then giving you a diagnosis based on his best reading of an MRI. And whatever he tells you, then you have to go and do whether that's treatment or it's movement or whatever it is that you're supposed to in order to create a better outcome. And I think it's, it's important for the young teachers out there to recognize that you could have a, you could have a track man, swing catalyst, 3d motion capture and all of that stuff, but you've still got to be able to give people solutions to their golfing problems. Yeah. I mean, that, that medical analogy is great. I mean, uh, because you know, that's uh, when I mean, you have people go to multiple doctors that look at the same tests and the same, you know, the same thing, and they come up with different ways to treat things and different diagnosis. So, I mean, I think that just because numbers are a certain way or data is a certain thing doesn't mean that everybody's going to come up with what the same what the same cause is or the same fix. So. Uh, JP, we've probably got time for one more question before you get out of here. Well, I'm good. I'm good. We got plenty of time. Okay. Um, are the old ways of teaching dying? If a coach doesn't have access to more than video analysis, are they at a severe disadvantage? Say that again. Are the old ways of teaching dying? If a coach doesn't have access to more than video analysis, are they at a severe disadvantage? Go ahead and start it, JP. Um, No, absolutely not relative to the fact that golf is still a game of feel and too much information put into the brain makes the brain, makes us use a part of the brain that is not associated with performance. So at the highest level, what we find is that the players are very much just focused in on their routines and their triggers and they're playing the game by feel. So relative to that, the less 
the less very complicated information you can give someone, probably the better the response is going to be. So in that, in that way, no, the old teaching is not dying. However, we have to also recognize that we are in a situation where, you know, if a, if a really good player turns up and I'm just standing in a field with an old, <laughs> old holy pair of trousers and a, you know, and a, and a worn out baseball cap, I mean, he, he's, he, he may not trust what I'm saying just based on my experience and the fact that I have nothing around me. Whereas if he turns up at Sea Island, we've got everything. Um, I can say the most minimal, minimal amount of things and they're going to trust what I'm saying. So, you know, your, your image and the way you present yourself and the technology that you surround yourself with and your, um, the, the, the information then that you purvey will, of course, have an influence on the way that people perceive that instructional experience. But, you know, you, you, I remember, you know, and I know it's maybe a little bit the old way, but, you know, going into Butch's place, and he always had B1 running and he would have all this stuff up on the walls and all the teaching aids. And he would give the simplest golf lessons possible. And, Tony, you know that. Um, oh, yeah. And he's still the, he's still the best that, that ever was in our, in our chosen sport. And he chooses to try and do it as simply with as much humor and, um, you know, simplistic delivery as he can. I think it goes back to a previous question for you know, as long as the people that you're working with are getting better, your business will grow. I always believe that if you figure out how to make people better, you know, you'll, you'll do okay. And, uh, but I think, I do think nowadays, like you said, JP, I think like it, you have to be at least first in a little bit of this technology to be able to answer questions, even if you don't have access to all of it. Otherwise I don't think with all the information that's out there, you're going to be able to you'll be able to, if you, especially if you're young and starting up, I think you got to at least be aware of it, be versed in it, be able to answer questions about it. And you probably realistically nowadays to start, like you said, you got to start with an iPad and something, at least be able to, you know, I think the whole appearance that you give, how professional you are still is really important from how you dress to being on time, to having all your shit set up and a format in which you go. I think that's still really important and while we all may use iPads, I mean, just walking out there with nothing set up and three minutes late isn't the right way to go to build a business either. 100% agree with that. Jackson, come on, one more. We can squeeze one more out of JP. Those people right. at that Christmas party don't even want in there anyways. <laughs> That's true. If your players are sending videos, Coach Now or Sportsbox, how do you ensure the angle is the same as when at home? Do you have a procedure for them to create that viewpoint? That's a JP or Wayne question because my camera angles are terrible. I still have to mess my phone on my belly. Wherever it is, that's where I film from. I'll take I'll take it then. Um, <laughs> I I I uh, I think that I probably give fifteen percent back from a from any video. I think when you've looked at as many videos as probably we we have, you can kind of sense if a camera angle's a little bit offline. But at the same time, you don't really know what the player's hitting towards half the time. If somebody really wants a, a little bit more of a thorough diagnostic, I will ask them to ensure that the camera's in the right place, ensure that they're aiming in the right place for the alignment rod down, and describe to me the shot, the strike, what the ball did in the air, how it performed, and what they felt during the swing. Because I think there's... And I've, I've struggled with this because I think it's, it's a great, it'd be a fantastic thing for me to be able to say, well, I can give golf lessons to people all over the world. They don't have to come to Sea Island. I could sit in this chair doing it. 
but I just don't think we can. I think there's there you've got to be there. You've got to see the you've got to see the player. You've got to get a feeling of the player. You've got to hear the strike on the ball. You've got to see the golf ball in the air. You've got to see the player's responses. And 85% of that you don't get on online instruction, my opinion. Well. JP, that's what I tell all my high school kids when they're about to leave for college. I, you know, I tell them, you can send me all the videos you want, but you got to send me something that has alignment sticks down aimed at something with you set up correctly because – if I, if I don't see that, I can't make any judgment of, of what the swing is because I don't, I don't have any idea what you're aiming at. So I don't think you can make conclusions what's going right or wrong if you don't know how they're set up and you don't know, you know, don't, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know if it's a good shot with a bad swing or a bad shot with a good swing, right? And, yeah. and so I, I do think those setup things are really, really important, and that, you know, that's why – you want to be, you know, with your best players as much as you can because, you know, you're there and you're watching it happen, right? It's, and I, it's and not, I think it's not a, I, I, I had a conversation with one of the tour guys about this, and, and I said, I think that I could take the player who finished last in the tournament at any week and tell you six great things he does in his golf swing and six things <laughs> we should all copy. And I could take the player who won the golf tournament and tell you six things that you should try to avoid doing. So it's, you know, and, and to your point, uh, Wayne, it's, it's very, it's kind of a little bit uh, finite with that. Like it's a, you're almost like a lawyer in that regard. You're, you're, do, you're making too many professional guesses. And, and I don't, and then obviously with this conversation on technology and diagnostics, what we're trying to avoid is guessing. And when you're, when you're to, to the person who, who asked the question's point, if you're just throwing a video in there with nothing attached to it, no alignment rods, no, no understanding of target, if we're if we're trying to to diagnose that, we're just guessing, and we shouldn't be guessing. Yeah, what are you even looking at? That's right. That's if I always exactly start right. anytime somebody sends me a video, I just always ask, you know, what would the what did the ball do? What's the ball doing? Right? You got it. I mean, you know, you got to have. I mean, without seeing it and standing there, obviously, but you know, heck, I mean, I remember one time I had a tour player send me a video and I automatically assumed it was bad. Right. You know, you get a video from yeah. a guy on a Wednesday and I replied with two things I didn't like. And he replied, I striped that. I was sending it to you to tell <laughs> how good I was hitting it. And I said, never mind. Meant that for somebody else. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I always ask him. I always ask my, my tour guys or mini tour guys or college guys, you know, how's the ball acting? You know, swing looks pretty good. How's the ball acting? You know, I want to hear their feedback on the ball. And, and oh, then no. you can kind of, you know, you can kind of make a better educated guess looking at just a simple video on your phone. That's for sure. Brilliant. Love it. All right. You got to go JP or you got one more question? I'll have one more question. I'm starting to enjoy myself. I knew, I knew we couldn't get. I knew. I knew we could keep you for next couple. I'm gonna listen to one more tea, and then I got to bust out of here. All right, we'll do one more, and then we'll go. Uh, we've talked a little bit about force plates. So, any preferences there when you guys are looking at swings? That's a Tony question. Yeah, preferences on the. I mean, I look. I I talked to some really great young professionals at the Everglades club last week down in Palm beach, very nice place. Um, and I, I just said like, uh, you know, I think, 
I, I still use my stuff very like one of the biggest things I use my swing catalyst for is balance and address and balance during the golf swing. Right. Like, uh, you know, I mean, those are still things that I, I use it for. And I, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big rotation guy, not a ton of sliding all or lateral movement all over the place. So I still use it a lot just to show that type of stuff, but really, you know, I mean, you'd be surprised how simple the stuff I use it for. Jackson, you've worked with me for a zillion times. And I mean, that thing could do a ton more than I use it for. But again, I still stick, go to where we started. I still stick with the things that I understand and believe in. And I really don't, I'm not saying I don't, I don't ask other questions and don't try other stuff, but that would be something off the record. I would ask JP or a Wayne or somebody what do you think about that? I would never do it with a student. I stick a hundred percent with the things that I know and that I can control a little bit and that I believe in when I'm using that stuff. I know that probably didn't ever answer the question, but you know. I, I mean, just for the, for again, the young teachers out there, um, I started following Steve Furlong and I think his, his Instagram handle is something like SF golf perform or something like that. Um, based out of the UK, he's worked worked with a bunch of players. Ollie, Ollie Wilson started winning again. I've seen a lot of Max Kiefer's in there. Um, does a really nice job in illustrating some of the ground forces. And you know, the, you know, he really he he goes that you know that's basically his business. It's like ground forces. That's he set his stall out to do that. And I I definitely think for those of you on Instagram, I would I would give him a follow because I've learned a lot from from some of his videos and some of the work he's put in. Yeah, I think, and I think the athletic motion guys do a lot of good stuff on the force plates and stuff too. I mean, again, I think you need to take that info and figure it out for yourself a little bit what you think and, and all of that. Just don't take everything as gospel. But yeah, it's great stuff. Jackson, awesome work tonight. Wayne, thanks for sitting in. JP, enjoy the company Christmas party. Give everybody my best. I will do. I will do. Thanks, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas everybody. everybody. Thank you. Thanks for sitting into this and, uh, do me a favor, everybody. Send email, send Jackson an email, and let us know things you'd like to see and talk about in the in the upcoming year. We're going to keep this going, and uh, and whether it's the business side, teaching side, whatever it is you want to know, let us know uh, to have here on the forum as well as on the tour coach. If there's people you want us to bring on and talk to, we're happy to do it. We'll look forward to a great 23, and everybody have a merry Christmas. Thanks, Kate. See ya. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors, Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines, for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube, as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, or go to dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.